0: Welcome to Believe, my name is Nicholas Upchurch. I have a really special, special guest for you today. Of course on Believe, our website is believe.love. You can catch us on iTunes at believeitunes.com and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Believe Loves You. We're gonna help you today in the categories of money and business, true success, our universe, and we might touch on some world news I have a special guest with me today his name is sebastian martin sebastian how are you today sir
1: i'm great nicolas thank you very much for having me on your show
0: thank you for coming on sebastian is a special guy he's the founder of insuho.com that's n s u h o dot com so n s u h o dot com i recommend people check it out even while they're listening um, or after they get done watching on youtube but In Suhu, Sebastian had an awakening, and and we're going to to get into that because his story, he's actually a very brave guy for coming forward and really telling his truth and the truth uh, about everything, the universe, consciousness, and things of that nature. What I want to start with first, because a lot of people right now in the world, we see success as growing a business, making more money. Because right now, this world is living by money, and hopefully, we'll expand from that definition of success in the future. But right now, we are. And Sebastian, he had an interesting story that we're going to get into later in the show. But to begin with, he built a really, really great business. Is that right, Sebastian? Your business was a honey business. called Yes, that's
1: correct yeah so um i i basically i was always an entrepreneur for all my life i um you know built uh, businesses since i was maybe uh 20 years old and I, you know i went from the the wine trade uh import export in europe um i built websites so i was in the uh, graphic design web design development as well in quebec for four years and uh when we moved to um British Columbia with my wife, uh, we decided to start a honey business, um, which is a Manuka honey business uh, from New Zealand. And the challenge with this was that many people in North America, um, ever heard of Manuka honey, Um, let alone buying a jar for you know, 3040 dollars for um, 17.6 ounces was a a big, you know, uh, challenge on its own. And so when we first uh, introduced our brand to the the marketplace in Canada because this is where we are right now. Uh, we uh, knocked on doors. We just uh, simply, um, you know, just called, contacted the health food stores and and asked them if they want to carry our product line. And the uh, I guess the uniqueness about the product line is what manuka was not known, and we went even deeper into a niche market for offering a, an organically certified line. And so. I'm guessing the, you know, 11, 12 years ago when we first started, the um, uh, the organic movement was still blossoming. And because we we're in British Columbia uh, on the west coast of Canada, uh, it was more accepted that way. So it was mm-hmm. the right place to start. So it's a combination of luck, good timing, and uh, perseverance. Because we basically want to make sure that we want to reach out as as many people as possible. We started doing trade shows. Uh, locally, and we basically kept going, and we did the farmers' markets. We basically started from the bottom up. We um, we were starting our business in a log cabin in uh, in British Columbia, and we rented space for storing our honey. Uh, first of all, we only had like a few jars because it it was such an expensive product that we could not even afford to buy a full pallet of honey in the first place. Sure. So we only ordered like you know a third of a pallet and the beekeepers that we are dealing with in New Zealand um, were thinking that it was a waste of their time because the honey was selling so well already in Europe and Asia and the North American market was not even tapped into. No one even explored it because no one believed that you know anyone could pen- penetrate that huge market. And so it was a daunting task and because we, we believed in what we had and all my life, uh, this is potentially what we can talk about later on too, of course. is I always followed my intuition. So because I believe that I was on the right track and we truly believed in what we had, that it, it became very easy to convince the stores to give us a chance and take us on. And slowly but surely we we grew our business um doing more trade shows in canada and within one year we decided to um sell the products in america and it was just like wildfire you know without even advertising anything just from word of mouth we sold you know more and more pallets of honeys and um we now after 12 years um branched out to many countries with the same brand and two years ago, we decided to, uh, we were at a branching, turning point where we had to make a drastic decision of growing to uh, keep remaining the, the leading brand of Manuka Honey in North America, um, or getting investors. So we could have um, uh, asked the bank to give us more money to expand mm-hmm. because we had to, um, you know, buy more and buy more infrastructure and so on. and. Uh, there was so, so much limitations in the cash flow that we had that we had to, um, you know, think about this. And my wife got sick at that point as well. So it was basically the, the point where I could not take the chance of taking more personal, um, you know, collaterals and, and these sort of things. Um, and that's when we decided to put a business for sale. What's interesting is while this was going on, uh, three years before that, I had um, a very strange experience, which, again, we, p- we can talk about that later on, but sure. my, my beliefs in the business world um, started to weaken after I came to realize that the, the money-driven power was just basically just um, an illusion and right. that it was not all. It was not the main uh, driving force in my life anymore. And you know, taking care of my family, making sure that everyone was taken care of, uh, was becoming obviously the priority, and so putting the business for sale for me was um, a no-brainer. I was not really attached to the business. That um, you know, it was part of us. Obviously, my wife and I built it under um, a brand name that is my wife's family na- family name. So it was definitely uh, a family business that we uh, we were very proud of. And still today, I mean, we we have now we have investors from New York and Mexico. Um, But the the brand itself is still as uh, legitimate as you can get, you know, in terms of quality and and efficiency. That's exactly what we provide today. And um, while we've developed the brand from um, like small health food stores to bring it to Whole Foods and Costco now and and all these places, contacting distributors overseas, um, just, just from the conversations we had, uh, we had, we were facing more and more competition. And the competition was kind of behind us, they were always trying to follow it follow ourselves in our tracks. But because we we made, uh, it's it's not a cult brand, let's say, but it's people, they, there's a follow up on the brand that people trusted the brand. And so for the the stores that carried it to uh, get a new, another line was more challenging for the consumer who couldn't trust it. And not only we really make sure that we had the best quality out there is that it's just that the, the people um, basically just promoted the brand from word of mouth and we grew the business from you know 0 dollars to uh, 10 million in wow. in 10 years and so that was just a, a very quick evolution that we we basically we we just yeah, we just, we just you know carried the business as usual. We didn't really think about the the monetary value of the product. It was just you know it, pleasing more people, making sure that we had enough supplies, and we were kind of entwined into this um, you know role of business that we we didn't have time to breathe. It was just like you know sell, 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 and and making sure that we had you know enough supplies to the more more customers approaching us. Sure. Um, so. I- Wow. Yeah, I, I, I hope yeah, your
0: wife's okay. Actually, I caught that the biggest she's thing. She's fine.
1: She's fine. Yes, Thank she's God. fine. She, she had surgeries in her brain and her back. So there were major surgeries, but um, uh, it, it was just, you know, we have a very young family too. And so we had to juggle all of that together at the same time. And, um, you know, six years ago, I pretty much had to uh, take care of the business when my wife got pregnant, uh, hmm. or seven years ago, actually. And so I, I grew the business from, you know, three employees to 17 employees in Canada. Wow. Wh- while the uh, other companies that we developed in the US, New Zealand and, and UK also had staff. So I had to manage uh, all of these people remotely from Canada, making sure that I developed a model that was very similar to what we developed in Canada. And that worked very well. In fact, you know, the the brand and the um logistics, everything was copied from what we set up in Canada, and it worked wonders. Um, Most of the the stores that carried our brand, um, like the the quality of the brand, the look, um, the color coding that we've used. Um, And and all of this was just developed between me and my wife, just the just the two of us to begin with, as you know, as any uh, small businesses and small entrepreneurs, we just had to uh, carry and, and, you know, have many hats. And so between my wife and I, we complemented each other, and we um, we had to hire more specialized staff as we we grew. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, we had more knowledge than us, and we kind of knew everything from accounting to sales, you know, to marketing. And um, by surrounding ourselves with a stronger team of people that saw the same vision, and that was very important, um, I had to um, lay off people that basically could not see. Um, the end goal and what we are trying to achieve with the brand, and while staying staying remaining genuine about what we had to sell. Mm. Sure. And the honey the honey itself is a uh, is a healing honey, so it kind of helps people um, with you know many ailments, many inflammations, and it's really uh, a immune system booster. And okay. because there are many uh, issues today with um, you know so many bacteria and viruses and we are bombarded with so many uh, problems today with uh, what can be even spread in the air, uh, pollution, everything. It's just um, more and more our bodies are being bombarded with more negative um, energies and viruses and bacteria that it's hard to uh, keep up with all of this. And so I felt compelled even at 12 years ago to Provide such a product that could help people it's just one out of many But I do did, did believe that this product was going to be making a difference and it did obviously because more and more people by the millions uh, purchased the products and so um, now we have more more and more followers around the world and uh, we branched out I believe to 26 countries now
0: 26 and, countries.
1: Wow. Yeah, and, and in, in a larger format because we have uh, good distributors in, in many countries and um it's just the way it went i mean now we have a base in new zealand we have um infrastructure over there with beehives land uh manufacturing plants all of that and so it's it's a much larger business but my my role in in that kind of um went away when we basically sold the business sure. so we retained 20 percent of the shares in the new business but Uh, As a director, I was also rehired as a chairman of the board for the the new corporation. And um, I held this role for two years from uh, 2014 to 2016. And my role as chairman could have carried on. And I've decided to resign from many of my posts. I was also like an active member in my community for uh, being an an elected official in a way. I was um, an elected director of the Chamber of Commerce. And I resigned from all of my positions in November. And I started to uh, place all of my uh, lands and other businesses uh, for sale as well, because I wanted to dedicate myself into what made more sense today, which is more about um, what I encountered, what I lived through that. uh, Yeah, the real story. Real story that um, <laughs> is way beyond this illusion world. And again, right. my, my views on this is my own. I don't want to uh, make people believe that sure. um, the honey business, you know, this is the mentality of the honey business. The, the active shareholders and, and directors now um, obviously are, you know, pure financial people. And they also have they share the values of the brand because they understand it. And I had to convince them over over time to make sure that they, they want to stay away from that. And so they are um, faithful to that brand. But um, my experience and my views are, are completely separate from the business sides and what, you know, what a spoon uh, or the honey business is all about. Well, but that's OK. That's OK. Oh, of course. We, and the base, the base is still there and the product still does its work. So that's, that's all that, ma- that matters. Well, at it's the a end. great
0: product. It's and it's for everybody. I mean, this is really an amazing story. I don't know how, you know, we're going to get to why this is such an amazing story, Sebastian's. But the product, just to. To kind of summarize some of the things Sebastian's been saying, uh, give people some action steps. The product is Wetterspoon.com. And I believe that was your wife's maiden name W E D D E R S P O O N.com. He grew this in a log cabin from zero to $10 million. This business with now 17 employees in Canada, employees and infrastructure in the United States, New Zealand, the UK. And it sounds like he became the Apple computers uh, or the Apple of uh, honey and the organic movement in honey. He created a loyal following. He got into it at the beginning, maybe, you know, sometime when this organic movement was taking off as a lesson to everybody. You know, this is this is when maybe Whole Foods was taking off and there was, he was trying to help the world, but there was also some demand. He was also able to charge a premium for this great product and then meaning the price of the honey was higher and then there was some demand for it it was working with the trend so identifying that trend or maybe it just they caught the trend by chance but that sounds like and it sounds like it took off they got into some local stores they did trade shows and there was it was maybe the right place and right time but then there was so much execution to that and of course we're going to get into now maybe what the definition of true success is and sort of, uh, but but right now the world is living by money and we can help to maybe open up some some uh, some things that may have been hidden, tr- uh, free energy. If you go to nsuho.com, that's N-S-U-H-O.com, that's what Sebastian is is working on currently. He's the founder of Nsuho and it's, it's about consciousness. I mean, some guys will go there and be like, what is this? But I can tell you, the whole i have a slightly similar story to sebastian and the whole nature of why i'm sitting here talking to him is i have a similar story in a way somewhat similar where my life is on that path and and we're gonna hear from sebastian his story but those action steps listening back slowly to what sebastian just said in terms of building that business if somebody does want to build a business and they put themselves in a comfortable place where they have some money then they could, after survival, after we establish survival, we can probably focus on what's really important. So, Sebastian, you know, you talked about how to how you built a huge business and you you ended up selling it because your wife was sick and also maybe because you wanted to focus on other things. You resigned as a director, I believe, of the local chamber of commerce. What what came to you? Tell us about what true success is for you, tell us about what really has gone on with you and what your life has become, what your life is about, you feel.
1: Mm. Well, the the true success truly is um, following your intuition, following your path um, without really thinking that I just want to work to make money. Um, My goal was not to make money, it was just to follow my dream, my passion. Mm. And as long as I remain true to myself, the rest followed. So I didn't really have to really work that hard um, to really pursue that same passion as long as I remain true to myself um, Everything else was placed you know, put into place um, my My goal was you know, I'm kind of um, a doer. I like to uh, Have a challenge in my life. So when I I feel that I've completed this challenge I'm already ready to move on and, and do another thing from scratch Because mm-hmm. I like to st- you know start have startups and make them successful um, I did this business with my wife for you know 10 years more than 10 years and uh in the meantime we developed other types of businesses that were equally uh maybe not equally successful but still you know doing a having a good mark as well so we we set up uh, an organic herb farm and from this farm we uh basically purchased purchased a raw piece of land with just clay and weeds and there was nothing on, on that land whatsoever there was um, there was no fence, no roads, no buildings, and we developed it from scratch. So when I when I start a business, I always like to have a business plan. Sure. And uh, my first business plan for Weatherspoon was a five-year business plan. And I intended to do the same thing for the farm. But it was only for a three-year business plan. And when I brought in some consultants to find out if my plan would work for this kind of uh, geography, they looked at the land and they also said to me, you know, sell. Don't bother, nothing will grow here, it's just uh, a direct piece of land, you won't be able to achieve anything here. And I managed to grow 50 different types of organically certified medicinal herbs uh, on on this parcel, and I think we are probably one of the few organically certified herb farms in Canada with that much uh, diversity and using uh, biodynamic uh, permaculture methods and organically certified methods too. So remaining again, uh, being very passionate about this and uh, making sure that we could develop a product line out of this, which was another line that we sold uh, called Folky. And uh, Folky uh, was basically a combination of salves, tinctures, uh, herbal teas, everything such certified organic which we sell now in whole foods too mm-hmm. uh, not so much in the u.s because it's a local brand so it's more about providing something a, on a smaller scale making sure and proving to people that locally um such success could happen and uh that business right now it probably is worth two million dollars so it's not as large as was as, as well but it's still something and so everything you know matters and for me That success is truly, you know, part of who I am. I mean, I I don't believe that if I didn't remain logical about things, that this story would have happened because you still had to remain structured in every step of the way. And because I feel like I'm a very structured person in the first place, very logical, um, I'm very grounded in the first place. So what happened to me um, in 2011 was very unusual because, while I was bombarded with visions all my life, I always like, um, put them away. I always left them behind. I didn't really want to focus too much on those because while it was kind of nice to have such uh, visions and um, images or sometimes hearing things, um, I was not really including it into my business life. Mm-hmm. And in fact, most of the people that know me today in the business world would not even you know, think that every, anything like this would have happened to me. So it's, I, I know how to separate those things, but at the same time, it came to a point where I had so many visions about catastrophic events or uh, prophetic visions that some, some of them happened, that it really created more and more stress in my life. And that completely changed my, my attitude because at the time, I was growing the business still. Um, we were at uh, this tipping point where we had to grow it some more and hire more people. So I was extremely, extremely busy. But the stress um, of the visions were definitely more challenging than the stress I could have had through the business. In fact, the challenges I encountered were not as stressful to me. I accepted them as part of my job, and you know, I, I was coping with them very easily. It was not, you know, I was actually feeling excited about those challenges. So it was not that I was suffering from it. Uh, I was welcoming everything that was happening in my life and I was ready to um, take charge and tackle every challenge in my life. But those visions were something that was not really tangible. That's something I could not really master and and control because they were coming to me at such a rapid pace and on a daily basis that um, I had to resort to the services of an hypnotherapist. Which I've Um, done, by the way. I've done. Yeah, and And, and for hmm. me, it was more to do with the challenges of stress and anxiety that arose from that that was preventing me from doing my work. Okay. So I was not really um, seeking the services of hypnotherapists to um, find out more about my visions, what they meant. You know, I didn't really care about those. I was not really into uh, consciousness. I was not into, you know, archangels or any of these things, you know, in the past. And I never bothered. I never cared. In fact, when people talk to me about this, I was like saying, well, yeah, whatever. You know, I was not really listening because I could not really connect to this. Right. And so all of these stories about, um, um, you know, UFO encounters and all of this to me was an interesting uh, story that I could just watch on TV sometimes, but I could not almost relate to it. Um, I had some, you know, um, encounters in a way that I could see UFOs in the sky, you know, I had some those kind of sightseeings but that it was very basic in that sense i felt connected to it but i never looked any deeper than that so again my life was too busy to even focus on any of these of these things so um i was Which most people to are. It. i was most interested are by it but yeah. that was it
0: yeah sure you we were interested right but just yeah most people are busy we're caught up in making money so and and right. again we have um Dr. Brian Weiss from Yale, who's done thousands of past life regressions with hypnosis. Uh, He's the head of psychiatry here at Mount Sinai in Miami. You have Dr. Ian Stevenson. They go back, and they they might do this with a six-year-old, and they find that The six year old said they were a British soldier in 1500, and they go back and find out that was a real person. I mean, hypnosis, it taps into the subconscious. And so you're saying you're so busy, you had some stress, and I I had insomnia when I was 18. I went to a hypnotist because I thought it was either that or a sleep clinic. I just turned the phone book in the year 1999, went to a hypnotist. So you. You went there, and and I, I think there were also some things I heard on Jimmy Church Radio, which is a great JimmyChurchRadio.com, a great, great show. You there were some things when you were little, you kind of blocked it out for a while, and then you went to this hypnotist, and and you know I've had some things where I can now confirm that, and I was checking myself, wondering if this was for real or not, but some. You know, dealing with energy, dealing with Qi Gong, dealing with things, some things I thought, is this just me, is it in my mind, is it fake? But then there's been some things with with me, and I have a document from the FBI we might get to later, I just was made aware of at vault.fbi.gov of basically, well I'll just get into it, basically it's um, an agent in 1947. Uh, This is at vault.fbi.gov under unexplained phenomenon, which is on the right, a tab on the right. And then you go to UFOs. After you click that, you click UFOs. And on part one, page 22, apparently this document has been downloaded millions of times. It's a, I guess, one of the most popular documents. It's a memorandum from an FBI agent in 1947 that was uh, declassified. And it says that basically... You know, he wants to put a notice out to the military, to scientists, that basically there was a subject that came to him that essentially said he was interdimensional. Uh, that there are beings that are not visible to us that um, do not come from any planet, but they, um, they're, you know, it goes on to talk about things in the document. He says most people might ignore this, but. He wants to put this out there, and this is a. There are there are thousands of these. We look at the work of Dr. Stephen Greer and his uh, serious disclosure uh, documentary, where now Dr. Gary Nolan from Stanford has verified that there was a seven-year-old being that was six inches tall, and they have the body. It was a, a geneticist. Uh, he doesn't say it's not human, but. I'm gonna say it's not because just look at it. People can people can look into that. So what happened during these these hypnosis sessions? Because I've had things that are not visible, I'm interacting, I haven't talked about it a lot. You're so brave, Sebastian, for even mm-hmm. here's why your story is so credible. Your true story about what your the awakening you've had, because you have nothing to gain by doing this. You you, no. you built a company to millions of dollars, people live their entire lives wishing they could do what you did, and you're coming forward talking about things that some people, in my opinion, uh, they don't even know why they say it's crazy, but they do because they were told to. There's actually CIA documents where they hired Disney to make a joke out of the UFO thing, Mm -hmm. and they actually, you know. But what happened during your experience with hypnosis and some of the things that kind of opened up in your life over time? Well,
1: while I, um, I booked my appointment for the uh, hypno, hypnotherapy session, mm-hmm. um, I waited uh, about a week, a uh, week and a half before seeing the therapist. And while I was waiting, um, I had a strange dream uh, at night that was uh, the face of uh, this teenage boy. Uh, he was very close to my face. I couldn't even see his chin. And he was looking at me with a very bright smile. And I could see his, his eyes and his uh, cheekbones that were much higher than ours, and his uh, the space between his eyes were also wider. And he was just very happy to see me for whatever reason. There was no real conversation happening. He was just like a very excited to see me in that dream. So when I woke up in the morning and I still remembered it, I thought, well, you know, it's just a dream, and uh, that that that's pretty much it. I would just like brush it off and go away, and sure. it would go away. And when I actually walk uh, to work because I'm basically living on the same premises, I just walk to the to the uh, office space. Mm -hmm. And uh, while I was walking to my office, I just realized that that boy was still there. Like I could see him while walking uh, on the path. It was just like in front of me and still observing me and it stayed with me for the whole day. Like I could not check him off my head. And so I, I just was very curious about this. And so. That was after same,
0: you woke up just to be clear that was after you yes, woke up you saw just him on the, the side next day, of, Wow. Just the next day. Okay, yes. go, yeah, then and it so, gets so, really
1: interesting. So the next day I was seeing him all day long and then because I could not check him off um, my wife at the time just put our, our child to bed She was very young and she went to bed herself and uh, at about 10:30 at night maybe earlier than that I basically decided to stay um, in uh, on my sofa to sit down and I poured myself a cup of tea beforehand, thinking, you know, I don't know what to expect out of this. So I'm just going to be sitting down and trying to most like meditate about it and close my eyes and, and wait and see what happens. So I wasn't really expecting anything in particular, um, you just trying to understand what was going on. And so while I was opening myself up to this, when I closed my eyes pretty much instantly, I could feel this um, energy. like almost like wind around me right. in 300, 360 degrees, right. like a tornado, and then the movement stopped. When I opened my eyes, there was this boy standing up right in front of me in the living room, and he was basically in a full figure. I could not see behind him, but I could see that there was a, some kind of vibration mm-hmm. about him that was not you know, like you were, you will see in a normal person. Uh, He he was emanating such a glow around him that was not that large, but enough that I could see him in full features and in full color while I was in a pitch black room. Um, I didn't switch on the lights in the room when I sat down. And so that really startled me. And because he was sitting up at about maybe, um, I would say, nine feet away from me, I tried to stand up, and because I was just sitting down on my sofa, I tried to push myself up, and, and I could not move. And so that panicked me even more. And don't forget, I was still suffering from anxiety and stress, so uh, that didn't really help out too much. <laughs> no. But when I when I was like in that state, I tried to speak and open my mouth, and I could not speak. So while I was thinking ahead of time, you know who he was, um, I was like thinking, you know, who are you? and what do you want? And he basically replied to me saying in, in my head, telepathically, he said, you know, my name is Zo, and I'm coming from the Galactic Alliance. Wow. So we had this conversation that was more geared up towards my visions for whatever reason, kind of it was very egoistic and selfish of me. But instead of me asking him exactly who, who he was, because for whatever reason, I didn't really still feel connected to this. Of I didn't course. know exactly <laughs> what to expect out of this. Right. And while he was talking to me and I was just like more curious, to know, if maybe he could help me with what I was going through. Ah, I and so when I was seeing those kind of events like of uh, earthquakes and tsunamis and all of that, he then said to me, well, don't worry, you know, people will die. You know, it's part of life. There's nothing to worry about. You know, people can die by the millions. You know, it's OK. Why do you think <laughs> and- he didn't care about that? Because I heard that on Jimmy Church. Why do you think he was impartial to that? Because you know, to him, and again, I knew that right away, is that he didn't care so much about the physical body because we are soul beings, mm. and because we are eternal, um, that experience is just one out of many. And because we are volunteering for these experiences ahead of time, you know, it's nothing that's out. It's out of his control. He's basically saying, "This is what you volunteer to begin with. There's nothing to worry about." And so, while I, I didn't quite understand it fully at that time it created even more stress in my life. And so when when he vanished, and again, I thought we only had a very quick conversation, like uh, 15 minutes at the most. And so when he disappeared, when he faded away, um, almost like in a mist, he just I regained control of my body, I stood up. And I remember very, very clearly from five years ago, that when I walked towards the kitchen, I was thinking, you know, very slowly. I was thinking, uh, have I imagined this? Have I made have I made it up? Because right. I can't conceive having a being in my my living room, and it was so strange and surreal. But I was kind of on a cloud, you know. I was walking, and I knew that I didn't sleep because I was fully aware, fully awake. Right. And so when I when I walked to 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 the kitchen and I grabbed my cup of tea, first thing I tried was still thinking about what happened to me. I was sipping my, uh, my tea and then the, the tea was freezing cold. So when I, when I put it down and I looked at the clock on the stove and I realized that I was missing about two and a half hours of time. So I had some missing time happening, but I didn't try to uh, think about it, which is the odd thing. Um, out of, you know, even like for the last five years, I never tried to really look back into this experience because it almost didn't seem that relevant for whatever reason. So I went to bed, you know, woke up in the morning. Um, I still felt some stress due to that encounter. So it was still with me, but I didn't try to um, look into this even deeper. I almost almost tried to even check it off still. And so when I went to see the hypnotherapist later on, um, I didn't even mention it to her. I basically said that I I had visions and because this therapist was not uh, like a regular hypnotherapist who was fully uh, accepting my visions or, or even UFO stories because she doesn't really, she didn't even believe in it. Um, she was there to help me out because she said, I can help people stop smoking cigarettes uh, with stress, anxiety, and that's, that's exactly what I would try to do with you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I believe in your story, but I will try to, you know, Help you, you with what you are going through, right? So and I, I it was fine by me I didn't try to uh, judge her on any of this. So I, I was she was just trying to help me and so I I did those sessions with her and uh, First of all, she said when you have those visions, when did it start and I said well I'm not really sure I probably had visions all my life. I had deja vu I had you know lots of visions when I was a child um, but I said I said that when I was 16 years old I definitely had way more um, experiences happening to me where I was seen at two different places at once. Um, I did automatic writing from like a very strange alien language almost that was mixed between Chinese and um, I don't know, like Egyptian, you know, Mm hieroglyphics. And I I was drawn um, by those writings. I was doing it like for two hours in a row in my art classes you know i was just like completely in a trance I was doing that and but that faded away like it didn't really stay with me i just you know lost interest in doing it but while while i was there in my school in france uh, i was in a boarding school um, i basically did out-of-body experiences um i had lots of visions again uh, and i was very interested in the atlantis as well so i was reading about reading up about plato and um about the Atlantis mentioned in, in his books. And so for whatever reason, I was drawn to the stories. And um, yeah, and so, so I, also had, I also had a vision of a, a comrade or a, 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 a classmate that was um, in, my, uh, in my class. And we we're, were in a Spanish class when uh, in broad daylight, I was seeing her having an accident and she was hit by a car mm-hmm. while she was driving a scooter and she was exiting, exiting the school. And um, I didn't know what to do with this because it was so vivid and so real that I had to write down the event on a piece of paper and I put it into a pen case. And during the break, when she looked at it, uh, she was mad, you know, because she, she picked it up, look at it. And um, I didn't know what to do with this. So I said, yep, it was me. And um, she was mad at me and it kind of went away. And uh, a year later, she exactly had that accident. Now, in my vision, I had uh, I have seen her dead, and uh, mm. she didn't die in the real accident. Uh, she became paraplegic, but the the problem was that the the teacher that was teaching us that Spanish class at the time was the one who uh, was driving the car who hit you know her scooter. So not only I uh, I was having that vision about that person a classmate, but the, the teacher in my class was the one who, you know, did that event. So it, it really shocked me. And uh, for a while, I felt kind of an outcast because, of course. you know, her, her friends were looking at me like I was like a, a witch or something. And I, again, I was trying to like check it off. And you know, it kind of went away. And yeah, I'm very uh, early on after that, I went up, I, I went away and um, uh, I went into a different college. So that basically is what the hypnotherapist used to bring you to me bring me back when I was 16 years old and to um, you know see what was coming out of it what was calling me at the time and the first thing I remember through hypnosis was when she asked me to walk down the stairs and you know look at my feet and what what I was wearing and all of that um, I was first introduced to hypnosis without truly um, knowing what it was, because I only had one short experience when I was 20 20 years old in the army from um, another guy who was doing hypnosis as a profession. And because, you know, the French military service in my time was uh, mandatory, I had to go and do it. And so during my time, I volunteered for this very short experience of past life regressions. And so I have seen some events that were interesting, but I was only seeing the last seconds of my lives. So I had some kind of interest and knowledge about this, but not in 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 depth. Right. So when I uh, when I was introduced to it by the uh, therapist, uh, she really led me through the the whole session. Um, again, going back to when I was 16 years old and when I could see my my uh, feet and my trousers and you know what I was wearing at the time. I was also outside the, uh, the domes and I could see the, the school grounds very well, I could see it was nighttime. And while I, I was on my own, I could not see anybody else around me. Then uh, when I looked up, I described the shape, which was, again, something strange. I said, I can see the bottom of a cup. So I didn't try at the time to even realize it was a UFO, but that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. And when I looked back at my feet, I could see my feet leaving the ground. So while I was being abducted and I was being lifted up and straight up, you know, v- vertically, then I was placed um, on my back and I basically headed uh, headed headed to the spacecraft uh, feet first. And as I entered the spacecraft on the side, not like the usual um, entrance way from underneath it, I went from the side while the spacecraft was hovering the uh, tall gray aliens that were inside the spacecraft were um, basically welcoming me in, you know, and prepping me for whatever they were gonna be doing. And so while I was laying down, um, I didn't panic because even until then, um, I was just like observing what was going on. I was leaving it as a first person, meaning that I could see my hands, I could not see my face, but I could see the rest of my body. Mm -hmm. I was going in and I was just, you know, living it, and so when I uh, entered the spacecraft, those uh, beings like started to put some IVs into my arms and putting a, a helmet on my on my head, and all of a sudden they stopped, and they started to argue. They um, had this very guttural sound like roar, roar, and they they stopped, and that's when the hypnotherapist stopped the session hmm. because she was spooked out by the whole thing. And so I, I told her, I said, you know, I, you know, I don't care. To me, like, I don't even believe this is real. I think I'm making it up because right. I remember everything. I'm, I'm conscious and I'm, I'm in that seat and I, I, I can observe yeah. what's going on. But I don't really associate myself to this because I feel it's, um, it's too far-fetched and sci-fi for me that I don't really believe a word of it. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I kept telling her, I think I'm making it up. And so she kept convincing me for a whole week. She sent me some articles about, you know, MRI results on how the, the, the parts of the brain that, um, you know, has imagination lit up in one place and the other location where memory comes from is a different location. So and and when you're under hypnosis, the, the part of the memory is being lit up, not the uh, imagination side of things. Ah, I didn't so, know that and in canada where where i live is even um hypnosis is accepted in the court of law if someone is hit by a car and remembers like a license plate uh, under hypnosis and has a trauma and remembers the number plate that's enough for the judge to uh, issue a warrant to actually investigate the person and the car wow that's that's legal in canada so i don't know about other countries but Um, Again, these are the arguments that the hypnotherapist tried to give me and show me because I was really doubting everything. Yeah. Um, And so when um, I came back uh, a week later or so to see the hypnotherapist and we duplicated, we repeated that experience and it it happened exactly the same way. There was not a single change to the experience. And once again, I, I was still looking at it as an observer. I was leaving it, but I I didn't really feel any real emotions to it. It was just uh, an experience. When I went in a spacecraft and those tall gradients started to argue, um, they then said to me, uh, because the hypnotherapist said, can you ask them what they are arguing about? And so when they looked at me, they said, we can't touch you because you've been tampered with. Hmm. And so when I repeated this to the hypnotherapist, she said, what does it mean to you? And I said, I have no idea. So then she said, can you ask them to show you what, what they mean by that? And so they, they started showing me some holograms, uh, blue holograms um, between themselves and me. And those holograms, one of them was um, uh, an upside down uh, triangle with three black circles or dots on each point. Mm-hmm. And there was like a star, um, a shape of a star as well, and almost like a staff on the side. So there were like three different types of symbols that I I drew and and showed to the hypnotherapist that she kept in a file. And uh, that meant nothing to me when she asked me. I said, I have no clue whatsoever. I have no idea what those symbols mean, nothing. So then she asked me to ask them again what those symbols meant. And I was just met with silence. There was no, no answer whatsoever. And what truly really changed my belief in hypnosis, because I knew then at that point that I could not make it up, is that she asked, asked me to ask them again, to um, show me where I have seen the symbols before, if they meant anything to me. And that's when I blacked out. So I was looking at those beings, I asked a question, and then all of a sudden, everything turned black. And all I could feel, I was going backwards. I was like drawn backwards to something. And then mm-hmm. when I opened my eyes, that's when I completely changed my beliefs. It's basically, I was in a body of a six month old baby body, in my body. And going back to when I was six months old, and I was in a black liquid, I was immersed into this liquid, but it was in a cylindrical form. There was a metal shape um you know in that cylinder there were some uh drawings or uh some signs on the side on, on the seam on the left hand side that looked like an omega uh symbol like a greek omega symbol mm-hmm. that looked like uh, it was holding the the glass panel above me and the metal part and through the glass um, i could see two tall paladians like a, a male and a female that looked pretty tall. Um, the, the tall gray aliens earlier on in a spacecraft were about you know, seven to eight feet tall. And those uh, play aliens were about the same height. And they were looking at me in a very great manner. like It was almost like a very cold. And as a six-month-old baby, I could feel the emotions of the six-month-old baby. And so when I looked at those beings that were wearing um, blue suits on, uh, like very tight suits on, I thought that I recognized the upside-down triangle on their chest. So not only there was a symbol that I recognized from what the tall gradient showed me when I was 16 years old, and when I was six months old and I saw that symbol on their chest. So when I described that scene, the uh, hypnotherapist then asked me to come out of my body. These are the real terms and words she used. She said, can you please come out of your body to see where you are? So I literally did that. And when I came out of my body, I described the next scene saying, everything around me is black. I can see a a massive mothership underneath me that is like two to three miles long, maybe four. It's hard to even say how many miles it was long. It was huge. And underneath that was the Earth, planet Earth. And I said that I knew exactly where I was in, inside the spacecraft. So the spacecraft was cubic in shape. It was not like oval or anything else. It was very cubic. You had lots of different cubes you know, attached to, to each other, and it was very, very long and wide. Not so much um, high, but not very high, but very long. Mm-hmm. And... When, when I said that, the hypnotherapy is panic, and I could hear it in her voice when I listened back to the tape, and she said, go back into your body. <laughs> you know, so I came back into my body, <laughs> and then she said, can you please come out of your body and stay in the room you know, to see where you are and to observe the room? So I, I did that, and um, I then described the environment, and everything felt alive. Like the whole spacecraft felt like it was a living uh, organic body. Being, it was right. organic, yeah, very organic uh, body. And so when I observed what I could observe and those Pleiadians were not talking to me, I knew they were Pleiadians, but they were not really saying who they were, nothing. I could not really feel any real connections to them. Um, it was strange. But when I came back into my body as a six-month-old you know, baby, mm-hmm. then I could just see because the hypnotherapist asked me about uh, the, the black liquid and she asked me to describe it. And so when I went back into my body to describe this, I said that the liquid started to move. And organically as well. It, it was not um, like you know black goo that people have m- mentioned or said before. It was not malvoyant. In fact, I realized that this um, liquid was there to heal me for of some, something. Uh, I didn't quite put the dots together at the time, but at that point that's exactly what I described. But still, as a six month old baby, uh, yeah. that movement of liquid on me, that felt very smooth, very like I could feel the sensation of it. It felt like silk, but it still frightened me. And I started to cry under hypnosis. As a, you know, 35 year old man at the time, I just I was crying because I was panicking over what was happening. So that's when the session stopped, and the hypnotherapies brought me back into my body, and that was it. Um, oh when I, um, you know, I had time to absorb and really uh, grasp what was going on. I then just realized that when I was six months old is the time in my life that um, when my skin came back. When I when I was born, my mother um, had twins. First of all, and my twin died when uh, in the womb. So when I when we were both conceived, my mother went to the hospitals and said, well. Um, you have one heartbeat, and so you have you are pregnant with one child. She went to work, um, had an hemorrhage, came back to the hospital, and the doctor said, Now we can see that you have two heartbeats, but what we don't understand is there's one fetus that is older than the other for about four to five weeks. They couldn't really tell exactly. So that was not any strange, but they, they said to her that only one fetus will survive. So when my, let's say, twin brother died, um, they dehydrate, the doctors dehydrated him for injecting some chemicals into my mother's womb every month. And she remembered that, but she could not quite remember what it was exactly. Um, and when I was delivered at nine months, um, I came out of, you know, my mother and I was basically raw. My, my whole first layer of my skin fell off. My goodness. And um, I was in pain and screaming and all of that for, for the first six months of my life, you know, wearing some special diapers, and I could not really sleep very well at night. And so it was pretty traumatic for the members of my family and myself, I'm guessing, but I don't quite remember exactly what was going on. Um, and so the, the doctors in Europe, because not only the local doctors could not really tell what it was, um, they, uh, they just were kind of baffled by the whole thing. There was a, a Swiss doctor who basically said to my parents, say, Well, you know, it has to come back. You know, the skin has to come back. There's no other way. You can't stay like that forever. You know, the body has to heal itself. But and and that's when the um to me, the hypnotherapy session uh complemented that piece of my life is somehow um, my skin got regenerated by that liquid. By the palladians, they put the, By the Palladians. Mm-hmm. By the Palladians. Why? I have no idea. At the time I didn't know. But that was that was what this is what was going on. When I uh, saw that uh, triangle symbol, I, I still didn't know what that symbol meant. I saw them on their chest, I saw them from the tall gray aliens that showed them to me, but I still had no clue what that symbol meant. And so after talking to my mother, and I kind of you know shared with this this with her because she's a Reiki master, she's opening up to, she's open to energy healing and all of mm-hmm. that. Not so much about aliens, but she's definitely more open to uh, energy heating and so on and archangels, sure. which at the time I was kind of laughing about because I didn't really care about it personally. Right. But but the uh, when I shared that with her, right away she said to me, "This is the the symbol of the winter triangle in our constellation that uh, mixes like has the Pleiades and Orion and all okay. these star systems mixed in, mm-hmm. and." when I looked it up, you know, it made sense. It's, it's just, uh, amazing right. how that connection was made. And it was, it was coming from my mother. She came up with it. And so that made total sense to me. And that, that confirmed where, uh, why those beings came from that, you know, system or that part of, of our universe. Mm-hmm. And so when I, um, when I came back home, I had almost a like kind of down, downloads, you know, when you have, uh, like you probably know yourself, when you have hypnosis sessions, you you receive more information after the facts. Hmm. And for me, like not only I was seeing things, but I had more and more information coming after the facts about what was going on, and to put two and two together, almost like uh, pieces of a puzzle uh, coming, being brought together. Coming to you, And right. so, when I, when I basically came to realize that uh, Zo, that uh, teenage boy, was related to those beings because they kind of looked the same. <laughs> you know, they, mm-hmm. uh, they were kind of wearing the same uh, suits on, uh, but to the difference that when he came to see me in my living room, he, he didn't have that symbol on his chest. So, but he still had the same kind of blue outfit. So when I um, uh, came back home, um, I had, you know, Zo coming back to me but again, but not physically this time, just telepathically. And I could feel his presence and he was telling me that he wanted to invite me on on board. And I didn't know how and quite know how this would happen. Um, but I was not that, you know, comfortable with the uh, offer. And so <laughs> right. I've, asked, I've asked the hypnotherapist to help me with this. And so it was kind of an arrangement where I decided to ask uh, the hypnotherapist to bring me back uh, to meet with Zo somehow, and it happened so fast that basically when I was um, in that session, I'd, I went back into this uh, shaft, and when the, the doors of that kind of elevator opened up under hypnosis, Zo was waiting for me just outside those doors. Again, was very happy to see me. I didn't know who he was still at the time. I knew he was kind of related to those beings, and sure enough, when he um, showed me around the spacecraft, um, I saw different rooms in a spacecraft, but he also um, brought me to the same tall beings that that man and, and woman. were were on a stage kind of platform um, higher up on the left hand side. And uh, Zo walked up to them and the, the man with a very um, uh, deep voice started to argue with him almost. Not very happy about that. He said, you know, why do you bring him here? That's what that's what I heard him saying, mm-hmm. and Zo said, "Well, um, he needs to know, you know, he's ready." Now I I don't know exactly what I was ready about or ready for, but uh, according to him, it felt like I was ready to accept whatever you know they were going to be about to share with me. Sure, and so at the time, um, the the man who basically had a beard and he had like a. Um, a trident symbol on his forehead. It was uh, almost part of a helmet, but uh, it was not supposed to be protecting him in any way. It was just more like decorative. I don't think it had any kind of real meaning to it. Mm-hmm. But the, the the fact is that that man was looking at me and then stuck into, started to, talking to me saying, the reason why you incarnated uh, on earth was to simply live a life of, you know, um, basically emotions. Mm-hmm. To experience love, you know, uh, witnessing hate or wh- whatever it was, you know, just compassion, whatever it is, and then die and, and come back to us. And so when when he said that, I said, what do you mean, come back to you? And then Zo uh, grabbed my hand and led me to see a body on a slab. Um, that body was still breathing. I could see a chest going up and down. And he said, you know, this is you. So that kind of felt strange and weird because I could see a Pleiadian um, man um, laying down there probably in his 30s, um, early 30s. It, it was hard to even describe because they kind of look ageless in a way. Um, but that man was there and then he said, yeah, this is you. You know, you, you volunteered to go to earth and to split up your soul. To, to so do what, sorry? To split up your soul. To split up your soul. Yeah. So and what again, does that mean? That uh, that is, I've heard, I've heard that, but what does that mean? Split up, split up your well, soul. Well, mm-hmm. meaning that the the Pleiadians, uh, what I what I understood, was that the the Pleiadians uh, control and know how to manipulate the uh, the soul the soul source. Okay. So not only the soul beings that are volunteering to incarnate on Earth can also uh, incarnate within. Alien races, mm-hmm. which in turn, which in turn, can split that soul being, to experience different life at the same time on different, in, even in different universes. Mm-hmm. So because they are multidimensional beings too, they basically are above our own dimension. They are basically, you know, when I said dimension, and I know, this is something that I was asked before, and you may ask again. Uh, dimensions is not so much the right term. I would say it's more about vibration. So their Mm. vibration, their frequency, resonates at a much higher level than ours right now on Earth. And by the way,
0: number six on that document from the FBI, the bodies of the visitors and the craft also automatically naturalize, uh, naturalize on entering the vibratory rate of our dense matter. So basically, mm-hmm. there was somebody in 1947 from the FBI talking about beings doing that. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, so there is so much. I, I wanna, I wanna just kind of uh, say, first of all, you're a hero, Sebastian, um, and we're gonna no, continue. But yeah, no, you <laughs> are because you took a lot of crap growing up. Part of the reason, I mean, people have gotten, you know, we have Doctor uh, Patrick Flanagan, who, in my opinion, is a living genius. Nobody knows about him. People take a lot of crap. He dealt with the military. I think he's in his 70s now, but he's on Gaia.com, some shows. I mean, things he's done have changed my life. I haven't got a chance to talk to him, but people like you, people like him, people like Tesla, different people over time have taken a tremendous amount of crap and gotten killed. I mean, people, and I think things are going to change, and I want to get into that because this... I know I've interjected, but I'm, you know, Antarctica. If you look at Antarctica, and also there's some people that say Sardinia, that ties in with Plato and and Atlantis. There's things people can look up right now about Antarctica that are publicly becoming available. If you look at remote viewing and out of body experiences, the CIA has declassified things about that. I mean, that's that's something that's been the government has disclosed time is an illusion in a way I mean Einstein proved that time can be bent uh, in terms of uh, multiverses you can anybody can Google multiverses and uh, Princeton and there's a a guy from Princeton in the 50s that proved multiverses in terms of when you're talking about you know somebody might hear this and they're like what do you mean the soul can be split and, and everything else what I'd love to know Sebastian as you continue your story, uh, my understanding is that, you know, on Jimmy Church, and and also I'm trying to be respectful of your time as well here, Sebastian, but uh, your time right now. <laughs> this. That's okay. But, but um, you know, apparently, so there's an experiment. There's maybe a human experiment, and mm-hmm. there are, you know, you mentioned the gray aliens. They said you were tampered with. Maybe you'll get time to expand on that, but it sounds like you were healed by the Palladians. You were a Palladian that possibly and again this correlates with things in science in terms of multiverses that we we could be living multiple realities at once uh, it feels like there was an awakening within your body you go to this hypnotherapist all of these things these realizations are happening i've had not as not as explicitly visual things necessarily as you but definitely things that i can say are 100% uh, I, I connect with you in a way. I'd say your your story is far more explicit in terms of real things, uh, quote unquote, real things happening in terms of visually. And but what is going on here? Why are we here? Uh, I, I know some people we we volunteer to to experience the emotions of humanity, but we've got we've got maybe uh, people watch Westworld on HBO. I mean, and again, that's mm-hmm. more of a, a mechanical. Uh, idea of a a sort of a virtual reality, but in my opinion, we're not mechanical. Obviously, we're we're organic, and I think there's a a movement to think about moving towards a mechanical eternity, and I don't know that that's maybe the right way. I think you and I might agree on that, but so what is going on in the universe? I mean, why are we here, would you say? What, What is going on with this experiment? I know on Jimmy Church Radio, you mentioned we may be living in an illusion for the Pleiadians that they may have lied to us. I mean, what yeah. what in the world is going on?
1: Yeah, so basically you have to realize, it, you know, it goes deeper than just the Palladians. I mean, the Pleiadians um, experience a, a life of their own and it is a survival uh, situation for them too. While I mentioned to you about the uh, tall gradients sure. and that, you know, mentioned that they could not touch me because I was tampered with, the reason being is because they are part of the same alliance. We're not looking at the same kind of short greys that are not from the same group, but the, the tall gradients aliens um, felt that they could not touch me because of a treaty in place that they, ah. they were not allowed to tamper with uh, races that were not their own or their own hybrids. Okay. Let's say. So this is just like a very superficial level of our layer that um goes way deeper than that in terms of consciousness because we are all soul beings and because we are uh much higher dimensional beings than uh, those hybrids or those beings on earth right now uh it really goes in increments and so i, I would like to show you something that I drew oh yeah um, thank you just just for the audience just to, to give you an idea um as to you know exactly i don't know if you can see oh, that wow, well i, I can but, yes yeah. yeah, so you can see that there are, uh, this is more like a, sorry, I'll just go back to the microphone no, it's here. okay. So you can see there's more like a hub in the middle. And you talk about, you know, multiverse, and that's exactly what I've seen myself. So the multiverse is uh, kind of a honeycomb type, where um, the, there are walls between universes, almost like cellulose, from the hub. That is mostly the origin of any creation in multiple universes and beneath that you have um, the light source which we could consider as god you know for this universe but there are multiple light sources um in our universes Mm -hmm. so that's what's interesting is because within that same universe you can see the timeline you can Mm -hmm. see the earth and the sun and all that on one uh, line but at the same time within that you also have multiple layers which also function within um, different vibrations so i've been able to witness that i've been able wow. to go back to that uh, that hub and experience it multiple times but again um this is just part of what i consider a program because this like this reality program, the, the earth yeah yeah the earth the earth and and any of the other universes are just basically creations of from coming from this hub why are they here why are we
0: here what, what?
1: well you know as as to know why it's it's basically um an expression of uh consciousness Mm. if you don't have it anymore there's no meaning to it there's no purpose to it so the main purpose of that consciousness is to expand and to uh to be one and i know you may want to talk about the law of one but uh, yeah. my, my my concept of the law of one is very different from this because to me there are multiple uh, realities like mm-hmm. you said but they also there's also um uh that glitches along the way because the within the hub uh what i consider the hub you can then have different light sources within those realms um those managers Let's say, let's say God is a manager for this universe. Okay. And within that, you can have the archangels, you can have some different soul beings that the manager can create himself. Okay. So, but that means it also happens on other types of of universes. So there are some, um, there is some roles being delegated here that unfortunately uh, creates problems because Ah. there are some glitches along the way. And those glitches, you can consider them as viruses. Some of the um, races uh, on uh, within our universe are being corrupted and the role of the hub and the beings coming from the hub is to basically fix those issues because the, the potential of all of these universes is to connect, to be part of one, to be able to travel from one universe to another. But because there's not enough Um, There's a a disconnection, a disconnect between those universes due to those viruses and those glitches. Um, We are now suffering from that today. So the uh, reptilian race and some other races that are part of those glitches Mm -hmm. are basically trying to expand on that, going away from the the light and from, from the hub. Because they are basically uh, doing their own or following their own agenda, which has nothing to do with the uh, domain agenda of expansion of consciousness. Is that service to self? would you say? Is that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, in mm-hmm. a way. But the, the thing is like uh, those beings have realized that they could potentially come up with their own type of consciousness and they believe they are right because they believe that you know they don't know anything any better, basically. That's what they, they believe in. Is that and AI so are-
0: like a mechanical sort of consciousness, or sort of?
1: Um, I believe that AI is is what you know. And again, you could hear this on Gaia and elsewhere, but sure. um, I don't believe that um, AI is the true term. I think that okay. the, the the virus the virus that is affecting AI is what we suffer from. That's the negative component out of the AI technology. But uh, I do believe that we are all part of the same program. Mm-hmm. It's not so much of a we are energy. We are all energy. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a man-made energy in a way. It's not man-made, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an artificial energy. But it's
0: not... Uh, what I've heard is that, you know, in a way, Satan, or what people say could be Satan, is that, and maybe what if the, the reptilians, that that could be sort of a mechanical, inorganic form of AI that they promise knowledge with all... Uh, all you know, knowledge of all, and but it's, it's sort of microchips being implanted and sort of maybe hijacking consciousness and right. And what should yes. we do about those beings? I mean, my my thing is that we need to love our way out of this versus hating mm-hmm. it. I mean, what I hear is that there's a virus, right? And it's sort of taking away. There's some glitches, but. Uh, yeah. Also some people you know Corey Good and people talk about uh, Corey Good. of course, is on cosmic disclosure with David Wilcock on Gaia.com. He, he, he mentioned sort of that they're allowed to operate, that maybe that we're learning if it sort of like the, the analogy is if there wasn't winter, would we know what summer is? that basically that negative allows us to have
1: some frame of reference so we know what
0: the light is. Do you believe that or what have you gotten?
1: I believe that we are all capable of you know, love and consciousness, we are all able to vibrate at a much higher frequency mm-hmm. than what we are allowed to believe from that bad influence. So if we allow ourselves to go beyond this amnesia uh, or distraction, that I call distractions, mm-hmm. is all the stuff that we are suffering from on this planet that are grounded, grounding us to this reality that is not a true reality, it's, um, it's becoming a farce. It's becoming a joke as much as what you can see right now in the U.S. elections as to what happened. You know, people are fed up. People are becoming, you know, uh, just basically just challenged in many ways. And it's, it's very chaotic. So again, going back why to why is that allowed? Why is that this negative? Like you said, going
0: back to that, why is this negativity, mm-hmm. would you say? Is it allowed or is it a glitch, would you say?
1: It's it's I think it's part of the glitch. And the reason being is because those beings coming from the hub I talked to you about and yeah. what I demonstrated on that small, you know, very basic yeah. graph there is, is that those beings, while they are fully conscious beings, while they incarnate and volunteer to to help out, I saw myself even going through like fiber optics and branching out to very different realms at the same time. And you feel like fully conscious when that happens. At the same time, when you reincarnate in a different body, if it's a Pleiadian body, you basically volunteer for this mission, you know that these beings are are willing to help. What I perceived as being lied to from my other experience later on, from September of 2016, Mm -hmm. when archangels uh, show themselves up to me in my living room, um they told me that i was being lied to but i think the the word lie to is not the real term ah. what i understood later on again is that the the light beings that we are all soul beings all of all of us are we're all part of the same origin and we basically are um we're basically forgetting where we come from because it's kind of the way it's being diluted along the way as those beings are so uh, powerful that when they decide to spread themselves up, you know, s- stretch themselves up so far out in the universe, that there is some kind of amnesia happening along the way. So they are becoming weakened in that sense, while they still a connection to the hub or to the light source in the first place. Mm-hmm. So the the amnesia is not so much what the Pleiadians uh, are creating, but they are using it mm. to their benefit. So while they they have their own agenda and they want to help out, they're also part of the alliance. And some of the people within the alliance have already been corrupted, which is the reason why the alliance gave up on the uh, human project, Mm. trying to save the planet, save the world, you know, is basically not their problem anymore. They are almost like allowing the reptilian race to come back and invade, you know, believing this is their own possession, their own world. And so this is where, this is where we can change this reality is because by um, changing our vibrations, by moving away from this distraction, this potential reality, we could probably win over this um, virus or contamination, basically, which is not really something that we are not we are capable of doing. We are definitely capable of changing this in this lifetime, and this is where the urgency is for me. Okay, that's the that's the message I got is. We need to act fast on it because not only the Alliance give up on us, but the Pleiadians within this Alliance are not giving up on their uh, hybrids or creation because, Which is us. They st- because they are still connected to the light. Which would be so us, So they, right? they understand that and they fully, truly believe in this. Mm-hmm. And they are here to help us out. They are here to raise our vibration. And it's changing all the time. Like I, I felt it myself. I had a, a true experience that many, not many people have experienced and I don't feel any different than anybody else. And I'm pretty sure there are some other, you know, other, you know, other beings right now on planet Earth that are also trying to achieve the same thing as me. Okay. And I have connected with many of them already. And and these are the, the people that I would have not even dreamt of connecting with in the first place. Five years ago, I, you know, I would have probably treated them as lunatics, you know, and just um, being, just creating the story of their own because I could not relate to the consciousness movement in the first place. Right. So you created in suho n s u h o dot com mm-hmm. to
0: connect with those people to give them a voice. how do yeah. we how do we know who to trust if if the Palladians have their own agenda and I agree there are I've felt things and and I've used you know organite. I've used Kundalini yoga, Qigong, the sensor five pendant by Patrick Flanagan, uh, which uses sacred geometry and gold and uh, I mean there are things that I have changed, but I'm not perfect now, but definitely that's why you and I are talking. I mean because, I had a similar, not the exact experience as you, but how do we know who to trust? How do we know uh, with all these agendas and everything going on and we have everything in the world going on,
1: how do we know what to trust? That's a very good question. I, I believe that we should be uh, trusting ourselves first, and I know it's hard to say when we suffer from amnesia. So asking the the questions again, going beyond you know whatever uh, affects your life, if it's you know on Earth with our current governments and you know all the the tasks you're being asked to do, uh, all of this is one aspect, one layer. Then going above that could be like an alien race that also looks after you, believing that you know they are. Um, basically the masters of your life, you know, on earth, because they want to control this, they want to analyze that, and you can be uh, abducted and all of this. And, and behind them is something else altogether. So like like I said, there are different layers. And because everybody reacts and um, lives within a different vibration, we just have to connect to this higher dimension, this higher vibration in order to truly know the truth to fully be aware and basically everything else will become irrelevant almost. Mm. It's something that we can change in this lifetime, again, we, I just um, mentioned something on my Facebook page ah. for ensuo which is the uh, official ensuo page. On what is Facebook. your Facebook? Yeah, how do we, f- yeah, how do we find uh, oh, It's official, uh, official ensuo mm-hmm. That's okay. the the link for it. And and on there, I just uh, read something, I watched a video recently, which was very interesting about immigration. And um, about 6.5 mil- uh, billion people on Earth are living with less than $2 a day. Oh, yeah. And, and so when I am trying to promote the work of um, uh, people who have tools to help uh, you know, the masses to awaken, you know, what, is, what, what are the masses? Uh, we are just really realizing that the masses are connecting to, to internet, to uh, technology, Mm-hmm. That those beings, those you know, um, six and a half billion people can't even have. Right. So we we basically have a duty as human beings right now to not only um, act for ourselves, and there's only a few people out there that should uh, focus on this because we need to help others. We need to connect to those other uh, beings and human beings on Earth that can't afford to um connect to this information but most likely already do meditate already are connected to the consciousness that we don't have we just simply don't communicate with them because you know they are living in their small village in a town in india or in africa and they're on their own you know and is actually a name for consciousness it means consciousness oh, in wow. igbo language which in is which an language? ancient tribe of africa which language uh, igbo Ah. I G B O. And uh, it's a very ancient word in this tribe that is a very ancient tribe in Africa. And the reason why I wanted to use it is because, you know, those catchers already have the consciousness in mind that it's part of their life. And we are relearning that today because we are all energy beings. And so by awakening to this possibility and changing our vibration, we can reconnect to this origin, this light source that can completely shatter everything that we have in this uh, universe, but also in our society right now, because we are suffering from that more and more. And so by unleashing this energy, we can certainly reconnect to the light source and uh, become one again.
0: Yeah, and of course, the true technology. What you're saying is within us. And actually, I agree with you. I think there's there's physicist Nassim, and then his last. Of course, he's going to be at Conscious Life Expo. His last name I can't pronounce or remember right now. But there's a physicist uh, published in well known uh, meta- uh, well known scientific journals who you know who has said who's. All of the information of the universe is within one photon, within one atom of us, and there's a fractalized universe, and he has equations and things. He's a really amazing guy, but it goes along with what you're saying. That technology is in us. And and in terms of other beings, I think it's kind of like our parents. Like, basically, our parents, they do the best they can. They have a lot of good ideas. We listen. We get a lot of information. Maybe they're not perfect either. And then we kind of go towards the light, what you're saying, that's within us to really connect... And, and your goal now is to wake everybody. I, I love your goal to continue to wake everybody up to the technology of the, of the true technology, the consciousness within us, and to reach everybody also that might not be connected. And I think there are layers, people doing the best they can. I think if we love the tough things about ourselves and our life, that helps. But, I mean, Sebastian, we could talk for hours, and I would be honored to do that because uh, I would be honored to have you back again as our program grows and your site grows and suho.com n o.com did i spell that right you have yes yes i mean this is this is the real story i think that um if let me ask you this sebastian if you were to say how does all this affect somebody somebody could listen to this they could they could say oh that's great but what do i do now Like, what would you tell somebody? Like, if they're
1: thinking, like, how will this affect me? What What should they do? What should somebody do now? Well, if if people are already listening to your show and are already willing to change, they're already on the right path. Okay. So they they will find the right tools to help themselves. Um, I have now since uh, I started my interviews and uh, in France and you know Canada, U.S. and I, I really already connected to way more people that now are helping one another because I'm connecting them with one another. Mm-hmm. So when they reach out to me and they can um, appreciate what I've done and, and what I've you know, talked about, they, most of these people are really uh, connect to the story. And, and some of them already have similar experiences too. So my message is you know, one out of many. You know, I'm not any different i may have some you know personal experiences that changed my life and yeah that's what i'm trying to um you know you know it change or uh share but um the, the the true tools are already out there you know people can certainly meditate they can certainly um connect with more people that already provide those tools in in terms of the, uh, you know, health grades, um, mm-hmm. trying to heal the world, you know, everybody has their own role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe myself. I'm, I'm, not a healer. I don't believe that I would be a person who could do that. I'm, am a good person, or I'm good enough to uh, share the information and to connect one another. Um, I'm a, an, an idea person rather than a, an a doer in, in that sense. Mm-hmm. For on the consciousness aspect, so I can. I can certainly uh, be part of more of these topics and, and these assemblies, but there are some true beings right now that are evolved beings on earth that are already here to help. Sure. And they are very powerful beings that uh, I've connected with. Oh, really? And, oh, oh yeah, they, they, they are basically just, they are just human beings, but they already have fully, full awareness of who they are and where they come from and what they can do to help people's vibration and, and create more awareness. So the ENSUO the platform is also there as a network to network, you know, not only uh, people with certain platforms and events, but also connect, you know, the individuals who also want to share information and and want to, um, you know, help others. So that's what I found very uh, incredible is the amount of messages I received since my interviews and how I can reconnect them to everybody. I mean, I've I basically have been able to answer. Uh, pretty much anyone who's been uh, commenting on my interviews. I'm mm-hmm. still at a stage right now where I can still cope with it on a daily basis. Sure. Um, but it's, it's just an amazing experience because I can truly see the change already and it validates whatever experience I live through myself. Of course. Because they not only uh, can validate it themselves, but they can also share it with more people. And I'm connecting people that you wouldn't even believe. Uh, I just recently talked to an army guy who was very traumatized by his experience uh, as a, in the a special forces and reached out to me to you know, look seek for help. And I connected him with a person in Italy who basically wanted to uh, you know, uh, be volunteering to help him as well. So, so all of this on um, in a large scale in, in this, on this planet, it just makes a difference because one person can then help more people
0: it makes a big difference in that way i think you are a healer a unifier somebody that's bringing people together and connecting people uh i mean that is if we're all one then that's Mm -hmm. what has to happen and i think including to involve those people who are at the top who may have been part of entities that have hidden things and sort of uh maybe that have access to free energy and instead of us all demonizing them, I mean, who knows if we were born into their family and seen every, you know, everybody's perspective can be different depending on where they're born and everything. If we can harmonize, I think there are layers of things hidden and we can continue to bring people in. I think that's a good thing. Our, our definition of success will evolve in terms of mm-hmm. this true uh technology within you and you are a hero and it's it's a very great honor to talk to you and what you're doing is amazing and uh, I really appreciate you you being on our program so our website is believe.love this has been Sebastian Martin it's one of the most important things I think anybody could hear just being open to these things being open and and looking within yourself it doesn't it's not necessary to think that everything is true that everybody is saying but Go ahead and feel free to explore yourself. Feel free to explore the chi or the energy. And see where that takes you. See see how you can harmonize your own vibration within yourself so that, who knows, there might be things out there that want to help you. For me, I I know there is. And 10 years ago, I would have said the same thing as Sebastian, that this would not even be something I would be thinking about. I thought I need to make a lot of money, date a lot of hot girls, and that was basically the the the... <laughs> <laughs> that was the holy grail, and things have changed. And I think that, you know, we can harmonize all of our goals and reach out to more people. And and Sebastian, thank you so much. Our website's believe.love. Download us on iTunes, believeitunes.com, and find us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash believe loves you. And then go to Ensuho nsuho.com it's free and maybe you'll learn something that could change your life and if it's not today maybe in three years from now and sometimes synchronicity everything comes together you start noticing things pop up you think it's crazy at first and then it pops up again and again and it opens opens you up thank you so much sebastian thank you nicolas thank you so much